want to say something. Uh, this Sunday is Emma's last Sunday with us. And I waited until after she sang before I said anything, so I didn't want to mess her up. Um, and uh, they're leaving Thursday, so pray for them uh, to have a safe trip. They've got to go to Pennsylvania, and she is going off to uh, work with uh, ERM, which uh, is a, a ministry. She'll be traveling. She'll be singing. She'll be working at a camp. She'll get to go on a missions trip. So I'm excited for her, but we are not excited that she's going to be gone for the year. Uh, my children, and I know lots of other kids in the church, are really going to miss her. Uh, we, as uh, her youth pastor, and I know my wife, are going to miss her. Uh, and I just wanted to take a minute and just say how much we love Emma. And uh, we are praying for you, uh, and uh, we just appreciate uh, everything you do uh, and what you mean to my family and this church. Then um, Anna's here, and uh, she is home from the wilds. She worked up there for the summer, and um, she's home for like four days. And uh, we're taking her as well and going to Pennsylvania, dropping one off, going over to West Virginia, dropping the other one off and coming home um, uh, by ourselves. And so um, uh, forget them, pray for us. And uh, we, uh, it's going to be a long ride home. And uh, Wendy said to me, she said, she said, babe, help me not to cry. I said, that, that's like asking the impossible. So she's probably uh, going to cry all the way home. And um, uh, what a great song. I, I, I love that song. If you don't know this young lady, um, Katie Nicole, I believe her name is, uh, just you would think that every single person that sings Christian music is good godly people, but it's just not the case. Um, but she is just a solid uh, Christian girl who actually, I believe it is, had scoliosis, I believe is what it was, and uh, was not in good shape at all, and um, had to put a, a bunch of screws and rods and all sorts of stuff in her back, and um, she is just, you talk about down-to-earth, uh, just a down-to-earth person, and uh, what a great song. <clears throat> I love this. It's one of those songs that you love and hate. You have any of those songs that you have? You love it, but you hate it because it just makes you so emotional. And um, so that's why, you know, if I, I listen to that song and look at certain people, I'm done. And so I always look down when I hear that song so I don't have to look at anybody. And um, just, just a great song and great message. And they had a, uh, a, a thing on... Uh, a concert she was having, and uh, she was singing that up on stage, and uh, there was a little boy with uh, cancer, and they were laying hands on him and while she was singing that song, and I'm like, yeah, I'm done, and so um, I'd had to left the concert, but um, uh, just, just a powerful song, really is, and um, uh, just from what I know of her, I mean, I don't know her personally, obviously, uh, but, uh, but Wendy, or Emma, waits until her last Sunday to finally belt out a song. 
Alicia, got, Alicia belled it out one. That's how she sings at home, by the way, and uh, in the car. And uh, uh, I've always tried to get her to just mm, give it out. And uh, every once in a while, Forrest will do the same thing. He holds back too, but every once in a while, he'll let it out too. And I just love the group song. Uh, teenagers, good job. Be back tonight. They're going to be doing. Um, uh, they're going to be doing some more in the evening service. Matter of fact, uh, they're going to take over the entire evening service. And so, I hope you'll be back tonight uh, to support them. And uh, great off Tories. Good job, girls. And uh, really enjoyed that. And um, I'll tell you what a blessing it is to be able to see our young people serve the Lord and uh, willingly serve the Lord. And so they could say, no, they don't want to do it. And um, Ethan, where's Ethan at? Good job. Good job praying. Uh, I mean, really good job. And so uh, really enjoyed um, uh, everything this morning and uh, very, uh, very appreciative of our young people. And it's growing, folks. If, 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 you, don't, if you don't know that, you need, to, you need to open up your eyes. It's really grown. We're already talking about next year having to split the the teens because we've got a lot of younger ones and a lot of older ones now and so kind of splitting those uh splitting those up and uh some of you don't know it yet but we're looking to get you involved and um so we'll be we'll be uh we'll be letting you know that here pretty soon and so uh Luke chapter 14 you're wondering why don't you just tell us where we're going Luke chapter number 14 uh, uh, tonight, or uh, this morning, and uh, I want to talk about the components of discipleship, the components uh, of discipleship. Um, it uh, was also, uh, Wendy brought to my attention, it was also uh, a year ago that Brother Steve uh, passed away, and uh, I'm telling you folks, it just doesn't seem... Possible, and I know, and I say this all the time. Um, when when COVID hit, kind of, it was like a time warp or something happened. Something happened where those years like didn't happen or something, and it just kind of like skipped over those. And so every time we go to figure out how long ago something was, I always have to say, no, 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 remember COVID, because you have to remember those years that it was just. I mean, and that's how fast. Uh, uh, time goes. We this year, Forrest and I were talking, and they were getting uh, the curriculum for their kids for school, and it hit me. I mean, just hit me all of a sudden. I'm thinking to myself, I don't need to get any curriculum for my children because now it only gets more expensive, buddy. But um, uh, it's way more expensive curriculum now. But and no more schooling for our kids. My youngest is you know 18 and fixed to go off into the ministry for. Uh, for the next year at least, and and then I uh, got my other one in college, and and Kyle working, and I just it just absolutely boggles my mind how fast time goes by, and you know because you've heard it, and people tell you that time flies, yeah yeah blah 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 time flies, yeah I know about it, and uh, when you have little kids, you know yeah yeah whatever yeah, and then pretty soon you're like well wait a minute. <laughs> They're grown already, and um, that's how quick it goes. And uh, we only get one shot at this, folks. One shot. That's it. There's no rewind button. Uh, there's no do-overs. There's no timeouts. We get one shot at life, and uh, we get one shot at living for the Lord. And um, what a great day 
Do you realize that? I know things are wacky. I, I, I use the word all the time and everybody laughs at me. But, but we're living in a wackadoodle world. I mean, just, just crazy, right? And sometimes you can get discouraged. Sometimes you can get to the point where you give up and say, you know what? It's not worth serving the Lord. It's not worth doing anything for people because people, you, you found this out, people will hurt you. People will deceive you. People will stab you in the back. Listen to me. I'd rather be stabbed looking at somebody than waiting for you to turn and a friend stab you in the back. But it happens, doesn't it? And I wish I could say, I really do. I wish I could say, well, that's just the world. But it's not. It happens in the church, too. And sometimes we can get discouraged and we can give up on people. Uh, We can give up on church. We can give up on reading our Bibles, we can give up on prayer, we can give, there's a lot of things that we can give up on if we're not careful. But I'm here to tell you, God doesn't want us to give up. God wants us to march on for him. And today, do you realize this? I know you do. This is kind of a, a simpleton statement, but it's so true. Today is the only, this is, this is the only day. This is the only, today's Sunday And this Sunday, you don't ever get again. Now, you might get another Sunday, but you won't get this Sunday back. You won't get the opportunities that you get this Sunday. You won't get the opportunities that you get on this day back again. So we must seize the opportunities uh, that come our way each and every day as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 14. I think this is a, a passage of Scripture that is very misunderstood. Very misunderstood. Luke chapter 14, and look with me in verse number 25. Luke chapter 14, and verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and he said unto them. Now, who's he? He is Jesus. Look what he's supposed to say in verse 26. If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, let me ask you this very simple question that people tend to get confused. Does God promote hatred? Of course not. Of course not. So, is God saying, for you to be my disciple, you have to hate your wife? Doesn't that sound silly? I mean, that sounds silly, right? But yet people are confused by this passage of Scripture. Listen, let me tell you what God is saying. Compared to me, there is no number two. Understand that our devotion to him ought to be total. Our devotion to him ought to be all in. You see, the idea that we put other people or other things above God is what God is saying should not happen. If you take, now, when we think of an idol, we often think of something we stick up on our mantle. Something that we often have as a memento of our religion. Something that we look to can often be an idol. This is kind of humorous, but not funny for the people that were in the restaurant. 
But we were in a restaurant one time, and it was a Chinese restaurant. And there was a statue about, about this big sitting up on the counter as you checked out. The statue was huge, and it came down, and it had this, like, reservoir all the way around it. And uh, there, was, there was money in this reservoir as people would come up, and the people that worshipped that religion would put money in that. Well, this redneck is the only thing I could say. Was eating. He had a pair. He was the the guy that wears overalls with no shirt underneath it. That kind of guy. And he, sorry if you do that, but he, um, if <laughs> you do it at home, don't do it out, you know. But he was out eating, and and he come up, and 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 the, and the little lady said, "It'll be such and such money," and it was like something something and five cents, and and so he he gave the something something and reached over and grabbed the money out of the thing and gave him the cuz you know give a penny take a penny that's kind of I think is what he thought it was and she was you know like I you know I can't believe that you just did that I cannot believe because why because that is my god okay so I don't care if it's a statue if it's a, a material thing if it's money if it's a person Listen, Mama, if you put your kids before God, your kids have become an idol. Mamas don't like to hear that, but it's true. If we put anything, and I don't care how precious that thing is, before God, because nothing, nothing, nothing goes before God. He deserves the preeminence, right? He deserves to be number one. And that's what he's saying here when it comes to the discipleship. Our discipleship for the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be complete. It ought to be 100%. Look at verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Why does God say that? Listen to me. Jesus says that because if you're going to follow Christ, watch out. You're going to have a cross to bear. People aren't going to be happy about it. Some people even close to you aren't going to be happy about it. They're going to call you names. The devil is going to jump on your back. I mean, he's going to do everything he can to hold you back. He's going to do everything he can to discourage you. He's going to do everything he can to stop you from going to church, stop you from praying, stop you from reading your Bible. He's going to do everything he can to discourage you. You're going to have a cross. If you follow Jesus Christ, there's going to be burdens. Jesus said they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. The Bible says, in the world ye shall have tribulation. It's going to happen. Everything is not uh, 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 peaches and roses. There are problems uh, that come up in life. Look at verse 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, and all behold it, begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth 
whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Over and over again, you see it in verse 26, you see it in verse 27, you see it in verse 33, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus said, listen to me, you got to be all in. That's what it means. When he talks about hating your father and mother and sister and wife and children, listen, what he's talking about, he's talking about being all in. When he's saying uh, uh, you gotta, you got to put the things uh, of this world to the side and you got to put the things uh, that you might even deem important uh, to the side and, and, and put me at the top, what is he saying? you got to be all in. And I don't care if it's a person or if it's a material thing. If you begin, if you ever put something... If you ever put something in your life above God, it becomes an idol in your life. And let me tell you what it becomes. It becomes an anchor around your neck. I don't know when the end of my life is. Neither do you. We have no idea. We know that we, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. We, we know it's going to happen. Barring the rapture of the church... We're all going to meet death one day. Now, that day might be tomorrow. That day might be 50 years from now. We have no idea when it is, but I'm here to tell you, the days I have here, however long they may be, need to be spent well. They need to be spent well. You ever ever follow after somebody or follow after a group of people that have won a large sum of money? There are, there are um, reports and there are magazines and there are statistical data of people that, and I'm talking about people that, like, that win the lottery or win a large sum of money. I, I, I like to do this. As a matter of fact, Kyle and I were doing this at, at, uh, at uh, lunch the other day. We were sitting down and thinking to ourselves, if I, if I you, you remember that, whatever that Powerball or whatever it was, was one over $1 billion dollars. One billion dollars. Now understand, you can't win if you don't play. I don't play, so I'm just I'm just saying. But if I won, and somebody said, "Well, you know, you had to you had to pay fifty percent taxes." Oh, um, okay, six hundred and fifty million. I'll take that too. I mean, I'm okay with that. And so, what would you do with that money? Right? What would you do with that money? <laughs> Man, what would you do? Now we all say. Man, I tell you, I'd support a bunch of missionaries. You know, don't give me a break. But you, you have no idea what you would do with six hundred fifty million dollars until you actually got it, right? But I'm talking about we're we're looking up the cost of helicopters, and we're looking up the cost of cruise lines, and and looking at we're we're looking out in the Caribbean where there's you know there's islands for sale, and this one out. You think I'm joking? We're looking. This one island had seven houses on it. I mean, it was nice. It was, I don't know, two or three hundred million or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you talk about, do you know how fast that you can go through money? Oh, most of us do. I mean, we don't have millions and millions, but you don't have to have millions and millions. You can have hundreds and hundreds and find out how fast money can go. Because you know why? Because it's very easy to misspend money, isn't it? All of a sudden, you got, when you get money, you got friends. 
you didn't even know you had. By the way, you have cousins that you didn't even know you had. People come out of the woodwork and they have money they want to borrow and money that they want you to invest in. And, they, and boy, you can, you can so easily, trying to please people, you could so easily, by doing the wrong things, misspend that money and be broke before you knew it. And it happens. Statistically, it happens to a lot of people that come into a lot of money, whether through lottery or inheritance or whatever. It happens to them. Why? Because it's misspent. Do you know, you don't have to have any money to misspend your life. You don't have to have any money to spend your life correctly either. But I want you to know, there's a lot of people today that are rich and that are poor and that are somewhere in the middle and they misspend the life that they have. Because I think to myself, listen, and we, we joke about this, but I think to myself, I, I remember that like, the, like my 30s was like yesterday. Seriously. I mean, I look back, back in my 30s and I think to myself, when I was in my, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I'm thinking to myself, 50 years old, you're just about one foot in the grave. Over half your life's over. I'll be lucky to live till I'm 50. Listen to me, December, I will be 50 years old. I'm thinking to myself, what happened to that 30-year-old? Do you ever think this way? I know, listen to me, I know some of you do. Maybe not all of you, some of you do. And you think back, okay, but, but what did I do? You see, I didn't get saved till later in life. And the Lord really helps me with this. Because I think of my teen years and I think of my young, young man years and I think to myself, what an absolute disastrous waste of my life. I think back and I think, okay, what did I, get, what did I accomplish that mattered? What did I do that counted? Now, I'm thankful I was in the military, but phew, I was in a position I didn't have a choice. It was, military, it was military or jail. That was my choice. It wasn't a hard choice. And so I joined the military. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I joined. I'm glad I served my country. But I can tell you something. There's a lot of my military I can't even remember. I went to ports before I was saved. I don't even remember anything about that port. I went to places, and I barely remember those places. Wasted Time and wasted life. Now, be careful. Listen to me. Be careful. Take it from somebody that knows. You can't dwell on that. You dwell on that, you'll be useless for today and for the future. That's in the past. I've got a little sign on my desk that says, build a bridge and get over it. It's gone, right? You can't go back. You can't redo it. You can't, re- you can't do it over again. So it's gone. So don't live in the past, You can't live in the future. You're not there yet. Live for today. Today's the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time, the scripture says. And so we need to live for today. We need to be a disciple for Jesus Christ today. Okay, maybe you weren't yesterday. Well, that's gone. Stop dwelling on that. Start living for God today. Start being His disciple today. Start doing the things that count for eternity today. Start investing your time and investing your money in things that are going to last for all eternity. Discipleship. When I think about discipleship, I think about just a couple words I want you to, I want you to think about. 
He talks about, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. If you don't get this done, if you don't do this, and what is his whole point? His whole point, let me tell you the first word, and that word is trust. That word is trust. What, what does that word mean? What, is, what does it mean to trust? It means to believe. I wrote this down under the word trust. Uncompromised devotion. Uncompromised devotion. Trust. Do you know, do, do, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than you love your children? Do you love me more than you love your things? Do you love me? Now, we're taught in this world, right? To, we're taught in this world that, that, that our family is number one. And by the way, in this world, my family is number one. I promise you, and it doesn't matter if it hurts your feelings, I love my family more than I love you. I'm just saying. And it should be vice versa, by the way. And if it isn't, there's a problem. But, if I love my family more than I love God, there's a problem. There's a problem. You're never going to be the husband that you need to be if you don't love God more than you love your wife. And vice versa for the women, right? You're never going to be the parent that you need to be if you don't love God more than you love your children. This kind of messes us up a little bit, our thinking, right? But here's what God's saying. God's saying, I am first. You put me first and everything else will be all right. You put me first and relationships will be all right. Our problem with relationships, let me tell you what our problem with relationships are. Our problem with relationships isn't this problem, it's this problem. If you have a problem forgiving somebody, it's your problem. That's the bottom line. Well, this other person didn't listen to me. I, don't talk to me about what people have done to you. Come on, and, come on and be a pastor. I invite you to come on. Because you know what? The pastor has to get over it, and he has to get over it immediately. So you can, you can scream and holler. You can be mad, but he can't. He can't. You can react in the wrong way and say that you're sorry, but if I do, oh, well, then he just is this and this and this and this. So listen, I know what it is to be hurt, feelings hurt. I understand what it is uh, to be falsely accused. I understand what it is to be said something against that's not true. But let me tell you something. Forgiveness is never for the other person. You know why? Because unforgiveness will eat you up inside. And, and I'd say 90, 90 times out of 100... The other person could care less. Or don't even know. Sometimes you hold on against somebody else. They don't even know you hold on against them. I mean, it's unbelievable. I have people come to me. I have had people come to me before and say, Preacher, now listen, I've been holding this. I was like, why in the world have you not come to me before that? I didn't even know that you had this problem. I didn't even know that you felt this way. And you know what is, you know who was bothering you? It wasn't bothering me. I didn't even know about it. But it was eating you alive. 
So we've got to be careful. I'm telling you, we have to be careful when it comes to our relationships. Make sure your relationship with God is right, and then your relationships with others will be where they need to be. Uncompromised devotion. We need to trust. Number one, we need to trust in the Savior. Are you saved? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you're saved, listen to me. If you're saved, there was a time in your life where by faith you trusted Jesus Christ into your heart and your life for the forgiveness of your sins. You have not always been saved. There's no such nonsense. Because you're born a sinner. You're born lost. You're born undone. You're born separated from God. Thank Adam and Eve. It's a case. It's the facts. That's who we are. And until we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, we are not saved. You can call yourself whatever you want to. But you place your faith in Christ and you're saved. What did you do? You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you were saved. That's what trust is, right? But trust only begins at salvation. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not on understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. He didn't say he'd make your way straight. Be careful of the of the translation you're reading. He did not say he'd make your way straight. Wouldn't it be great if everything was straight? You ever drive to the mountains? You ever wonder who in the world made the roads? I mean, you know what it reminds me of? You know what mountain roads remind me of? Life. Isn't it true? Sometimes you're up and things are great and Woo! Your football team won. You got money in your pocket. I mean, you're, everything's just going good. I mean, you went to the you went to the uh, 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 the uh, the mailbox and there was a check in the mail that you didn't expect. And I mean, and everybody likes you, and you don't have any conflict right now. And you better look over your shoulder. Everything's going right. Something's coming, right? And that and that usually the facts. But I mean, sometimes it's like that, and then sometimes. Every time you go to the mailbox, there's a bill. Another bill you didn't expect. Another bill you did. And then your car breaks down. And God forbid if you have more than one car, because they always break down together. It's like they get together and go, listen, if you're going to go down, I'm going to go. Just let me know. You know. They all break down together. I mean, everything. Isn't that how sometimes life happens? And you are just once up on the mountaintop. You were once way up here. And then all of a sudden, you're down in the valley. I mean, you are in the dumps. And then it's a curve. And then it's a corkscrew. And then it's usually... Why? Because that is part of life. It's ups and downs. It's around the corners. But if we will trust in the Lord, He will direct our paths. He'll help us through those curves. He'll help us through those valleys. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will... Fear no evil. Why? Because I am strong. No. Because thou art with me. God's with us. Thy rod and thy staff. Let me tell you something. You want to do a good study? Do a study on the rod and the staff of the New Testament. The rod and the staff. the, the, The word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. Thou art with me. 
God is with us through His Word. God is with us through His Spirit. So we don't have to face life alone. So yes, we trust the Lord for our salvation, but we also trust the Lord for our everyday life. You ever done this? I don't, I don't, I don't do it very often. I don't do good in the car. In case, case you never caught that off my illustrations, I'm not a real good car person. People aggravate me more in the car than anywhere else in the world. I'd rather walk around and talk to everybody at Walmart than drive to Savannah. I cannot stand being in the car. Why? Because A, people can't drive. And in case you thought, listen, I just thought that was like around here. And no, it's true. It's true everywhere. Nobody, I'm the only person that knows how to drive. <laughs> you all can smirk all you want until you think the same thing, okay? So it aggravates me. People aggravate me. You get in the car, I mean, it's just, you get in lines and you get, I mean, it's just absolutely aggravating. Because you know why? Listen, because sometimes life can be aggravating. You ever pull into a parking lot? This is what I say, almost inevitably. I park. I drop my wife off, and then I park out in the boondocks. I mean, as far out as I can, because I never get a space up front. Ever get a space up front. Never. It don't matter. I mean, I could pull in, somebody cut me off and park there, and I, I just, so, so I just, never. Do you ever, have you ever pulled into a parking lot and prayed for a parking spot? Seriously. Most of us think, that's kind of silly. Why would you do such a thing? But isn't God in the little things too? You ever, you, ever, you ever been driving down the road and somebody cut you off? And you started praying for them? Yeah, there's a few of you yups, but there ain't many of you. What do we do? We, man, the temperature rises. I mean, we get aggravated. We scream and holler at them like they can hear us, Right? I mean, and then our whole day is ruined. Isn't it funny how fast your day can be ruined? Isn't it funny how fast you can allow somebody to ruin your day? To ruin your week? Wow, isn't that crazy? Do you know why it is? It's somewhere along the line. I'm telling you, it's true. Whether it's a small one or a large one, it's a disconnect with God. It really is. Now, I'm not saying you get, you get aggravated and you're, you, you, know, you get unsaved. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you, you, you get aggravated and you get, you know, you're backslidden. I'm not saying that. Some, but sometimes it's just a small. It's like you get in a fight. You ever get in an argument with your wife? Nobody, I know. None of you have. You ever get in an argument with your wife? And have you ever been the spiritual leader and said, okay, babe, hold on. Let's go ahead and pray about this. Yeah, sure. Most of us are like, I mean, we are wrapped up, our faces red. You know why? Because we just want to be right. We just, even when we're wrong, we want to be right. And we will fight to the end to be right. Do you know what the Bible says? Humble yourselves. Humble, clothe yourself with humility. Isn't that an amazing how, how easy a conflict is solved when you get God involved? But we don't, we don't do that. Why? Because 
we let the flesh take over. And we get bitter and we get angry and we get, and there's jealousy and covetousness and all these things begin to happen. Why? Because we need to work on our discipleship. We need to work on our trust with the Lord. We need to trust the Savior, trust Him for salvation. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 9 and 10. We need to trust Him for strength. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. We need to sh- trust Him for supply. Philippians 4 and verse 19. We need to trust in the Savior. We need to trust in God. Not only do we need to trust in the Savior, uh, 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 but we need to uh, uh, tr- uh, trust Him for our salvation and for our strength, uh, but we need to trust in the Scriptures. We need to trust in the Scriptures. Let God be true and every man a liar. Psalm 119 and verse 42, For I trust in thy word. I trust in thy word. God, you ever pray these prayers? God, ground me and God, grow me. Ever pray those prayers? You should. God, ground me. You know what it means to be grounded? It means to have a good foundation. We're going right now, Wednesday nights. I wish you'd join us. We're over in the fellowship hall. We're going through Baptist distinctives. What it means to be Baptist. Why we believe what we believe from the scriptures. And so we're, we're talking about the acrostic Baptist. B-A-P-T-I-T-S-T. B-A-P-T-I-T-S-T. I don't even know how to spell Baptist. But um, we're going through that acrostic. We talked about Bible's authority. We talked about A is the autonomy of the local church. Right now we're talking about the priesthood of the believer. P, the priesthood of the believer. We're all, we're all priests before God. And so, what do you believe? Are you grounded? God, ground me. How does God ground you in what you believe? The Word of God. Well, I'll tell you something, preacher. I believe what I believe because of what the preacher said. Boy, isn't that silly. It's great if the preacher's right. But it ain't so great if the preacher's not right. You know what Paul said? Paul never said, follow me. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Foundation, right? Grounding. We need to have that grounding. We need to be like the Bereans who have checked out the scriptures to to make sure what is being said is so. If I say something off the wall, there should be some kind of antenna going off saying, whoa, wait a minute. Something's not right there. You start asking questions. Not because you're opinionated, but you start asking questions because what does thus saith the Lord? God ground me. Connected with that is God grow me. We ought to be growing up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We ought to be growing in the faith and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know you ought to know more this year than you did last year? It's absolutely amazing to me, amazing to me, that, that most Christians, now listen to me, this is statistically a fact. Most Christians, I'm not preaching tonight, so you're going to have to bear with me for a few minutes, all right? Most Christians get to a certain point growth-wise and stop. You know what they say? This is what they say. I know enough. Listen to me. This isn't math. This isn't English. This isn't a subject in school. Now listen to me. When I got to a certain point in math, listen, I know what 2 plus 2 is. I'm good. I don't need no trigonometry. 
I don't need to know calculus. And I barely spell those words, let alone know what those words mean or take any of those classes. I just took, listen to me, I barely went to school anyways, but when I did go to school, I didn't take any of those classes. I avoided every single hard class I could possibly take. I did not want to take those hard classes. I mean, I wasn't smart enough for them, I didn't care about them, and I wasn't going to use them in life. I, I, but guess what? I got by, I'm 50 years old, and I don't regret not taking trigonometry. But let me tell you something, right? But let me tell you something. At 50 years old, I wish through my teen years and my young man years that I had studied the Bible more. I learned more about the Bible. I remember when I first got saved, I used to sit in these meetings. Uh, the Doherty's used to take us to all these different meetings. We'd go all over the place and, and go to these revival meetings and uh and there was a man named Sammy Allen, Sammy Allen, preacher of the Word of God, and he'd take his Bible, and his Bible basically opened up to the same page, because that's the only page it, it ever opened up to, and he'd just sit it up there, and he would just quote Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I wish I had a mind like that. I want you to know something about Sammy Allen. He didn't go to bed at night and sleep on his Bible and all the knowledge went into his head during the night. You know how he got that way? Through studying of the Scriptures. It says, uh, or he said, one time I remember him saying that he, was, he could not read. As a grown adult, could not read, never finished school. He would sit underneath a tree in his backyard he had two daughters. One daughter would sit on one side. The other daughter would sit on the other side. And they'd take turns reading scriptures to him. And as they read the scriptures to him, he knew that... Now, I'm certain he can read now. But at the time, he was a young man. He could not read. And so, so he would memorize that scripture as they read it to him. You ever, you ever heard of Jack Van Impey? A lot of things I wouldn't agree with Jack Van Impey. But they call him the walking Bible. He knew so much of the scriptures. I remember a, a man that came to, to, um, to chapel one Say nothing. Y'all are like, yeah, great. You keep going. I'm blue, blue. All right. Um, I'm pretty loud, so you can pretty much hear me. But anyways, he'd get up there, and they'd call out a scripture, and he'd quote it. And they'd call out another scripture, and he'd quote it. And then you always have some of those smart Alex who would call out a, call out a verse that wasn't there, and he'd go, no, that's, that's not a verse. And I sat back and I thought to myself, wow, man, I wish I knew the scriptures like that. You know what it takes? Work. It takes work. 
It takes grounding. It takes growing. Knowing the scriptures and applying it to your life. You know the word of God ought to change you. You know you ought to take the word of God, not only put it in your brain, but you ought to apply it to your heart. Because with the heart, it'll change your hands, and it'll change your mouth, and it'll change your feet. It'll change how you do things and how you operate, how you're a disciple. Listen, we need to trust in the Lord. I don't have time because I'm not going to have tonight, but the second one is time. You know what it takes to be a disciple? It takes time. Do you know what it takes? It takes saying, hey, I really want to go do this, Drew, would you? But I can't because I have to do this. You know, it really, it really takes something to say no. Say no to something that's good so you can say yes to something that's best. That's, a, that's an important thing to learn in life. You know what I learned? I learned that with my family. Listen, if I had a choice to spend time with you or spend time with my wife, it's not really hard. Just telling you. I really like my wife, and I want to spend time with her. So we make priorities, don't we? We make it, I want to spend time with my children. I want to, I want to go places with my children. I want to do things with my children. I want to be there with my, for my wife. I want to be there with my wife. So what are we doing? We're making priorities. That doesn't mean the other things are bad, but sometimes we have to say no to good so that we can say yes to best. Do you know what happens? I don't have time. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to go to church. You just don't understand how busy I am, preacher. I want you to know something. You've got the same 24 hours I do. Now, you spend it different, and maybe by necessity you have to spend it in certain ways. But I'm... I'm, 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 I'm here to tell you, there are some people, they'll convict you if you read their biographies. The George, Mueller, uh, George Mueller's, who said, you know what, I don't, I don't have any more time. I don't have any more time, so I'm going to have to wake up an hour earlier. Now, by the way, he was waking up at five, so an hour earlier was four. You know, what, you know where they found David Livingston? Dead. You know where they found him? Next to his cot on his hands and knees praying. He died on his hands and knees praying. Talk about priority. That's priority. Matter of fact, David Livingston so loved Africa that when they took his body back to England, the natives cut his heart out before they shipped it back and buried it in Africa. Devotion. Time. Could I spend my time doing this? Sure I could. Could I spend my time doing that? Sure I could. But, but once you spend, get this, and I'm done. Once you spend that time, it's gone. It's gone. You don't get it back. You don't get to redo it. And you could spend it on something good. You could spend it on something bad. Or you can spend it on something that's best. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning, our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. You've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. It starts with a relationship. None of us have always been saved. 